Well, good morning. Uh, anybody that doesn't know me, uh, my name is Pastor David Condry. I'm the pastor over at Revolution Church that is downtown. Uh, you get the, I hope to say, privilege of listening to me today. Um, so I got a lot that we're going to go through, so I'm going to jump right into this. Uh, anybody that was here last time I filled in for Pastor Matt, uh, I have our church immediately after this. So as soon as I'm done, I'm out of here, and I apologize for that, uh, but I have to rush over there before our worship team is done singing, and they don't all stare at each other wondering what do we do next because the pastor's not here to start preaching. So um, that's why we're just going to jump right into this. And what we're going to talk about is something that our church has been processing through over the last few weeks, and that is the Lord reigns. And the reason we're processing through this is because God has put me on a journey of asking some questions concerning this truth, the Lord reigns. And so all of the sermons that have been in the series that we've been doing, it's actually been pretty interesting because this sermon series started not as a series at all. It started by, I needed a filler sermon one Sunday, and I told my church that. I said, this is just a filler sermon. One time, we're going to talk about the Lord reigns, and then all of a sudden it became a second week, a third week, or now into the fourth week, and chances are it could go into the fifth, sixth. It's going to go as long as God keeps showing me things that deal with the Lord reigns. And as we talk about this, here's the thing that's significant about this. I believe God, here's what I love about Scripture, just going back to this and what I love about God. Uh, one of the things that I love about God is I love how you can read Scripture and read the same passages over and over and over and over again, and every time you read it, the Spirit of God can show you something new every single time. Because one of the things that God does that's amazing as we mature and as we grow as Christians is He allows us to look at Scripture through different lenses that we never looked at it before. All right, that's how awesome God is. He's so amazing. He'll take scripture and he'll let us look at it through maybe a lens of love. He wants us to look at that scripture through a lens of love, saying, hey, I want you to understand this through the love that I have for you. But then next time he might come back and he'll say, now I want you to look at it from a different lens. So as an example, as we were doing our singing before I came up here and we were doing that last song, and it says, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal, right? And as I'm sitting there going, wow, what an amazing truth. But I wonder how many of us are looking, that, looking at that truth from a different lens this morning. See, some of us might be looking at a lens of, man, God is awesome and he loves me more than anything and he will, hurt, he will heal my hurts. Some of us might be looking at a lens through forgiveness, mercy, whatever those lenses are. I all of a sudden sat there and going, man, that's an awesome truth through the lens that God reigns. And let me explain why. That verse or that, that statement said, earth has no sorrows that heaven can't heal. You know what's awesome? The difference between earth and heaven right now? God reigns supreme in heaven. There's no sin. There's no darkness. There's no hurt. There's no division. There's no nothing. God reigns supreme in heaven. That's why in the Lord's Prayer we, we pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Literally, that prayer, we're praying that the reign of God that is existing in heaven will come and reign here on earth. So, so we see things, we can see things from different perspectives or different lenses. So as we go through this this morning, I want to explain on the onset as we begin, I want to encourage us and challenge us to look at the stuff we're going to look at this morning through the lens that God reigns, that our Lord reigns. And that's the lens. So some of this stuff... There might be moments where it might feel a little uncomfortable. It might feel a little, I don't know if I really technically agree with that. That's okay, because we're going to challenge the lens in which we look at this stuff. It's not wrong to look at it from different lenses. If you look at some of this stuff through the lens of love or mercy or forgiveness, any of those, that's fine, because it all is from God. And so I want us to understand that. The other thing I want you to understand is I'm not just here this morning to fill some time for Matt. The other thing I want us to understand is I'm not here to hear me on this because this might, I'm not here to make you feel good. What I'm here to do is one of three things. God's going to use me either, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to get introduced to him this morning. If maybe you're in a little bit of a situation where your relationship isn't where it's supposed to be with Jesus, then I pray he uses me to get you a little bit closer to getting right. And if you're on a path where you are growing, maturing, my prayer is that he uses me to get you even closer. That's the goal and the intention of this morning. So would you join me just real quick for a moment, and let's just pray together as we begin. 
Father God, we give you praise for the time that we've had already this morning. It's a glorious and beautiful day because this is the day that you have created. You've ordained it. You've determined what's going to take place this morning. Lord, we give you the praise in that, the fact that you do reign. And as we enter into this time of looking into your word, I pray that you allow no words to come out of my mouth except what is truth and what is pleasing to you. I pray that nothing is able to come out of my mouth except what is allowed by your spirit, who is the ultimate teacher of us. I pray that your spirit be here among us, move heavily among us, open our ears, open our hearts, allow us to get excited about the relationship that you call us into through your son, Jesus Christ. We give you, we give you praise for the privilege and the opportunity to gather together, all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so... Again, we're going to talk about the Lord reigns. And it's intriguing because like I told you, I'd never had a sermon planned out over the last few weeks. And then I actually kind of blame, not blame in a bad sense, I blame your church actually for this sermon. And here's why. One day I was coming in here to talk to Matt, and as I was walking in, I've seen it several, several, several times, and I actually noticed once again the Titus 2 scripture on the front. And as I looked at it, all of a sudden, God and I had this little quick conversation saying, hey, we're going to talk about that a little bit, him and myself. And, and so I, I say that because it was an amazing opportunity for God to show me some different things as he changed the lens in which I even look at Scripture. But to start this, I want us to start with, did I not turn this on? I turned it on. All right, where do I need to point because it ain't going? And I'm, I'm assuming it's the arrow that I'm supposed to push. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> hey, God still reigns. It's okay. All right, so we're going to start with uh, verse 11 here. And here Paul tells us, he, he's challenging the lens in which the, the Titus and anybody that's going to read this, he's, he's challenging, he's enforcing the lens that we look at things when it comes to God, our relationship with God, salvation, and all these things. And he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And here's one of the things I think is unfortunate with uh, when we read the Bible many times, and I've been guilty of this many times in my life, we read the Bible so fast we don't just stop and really consider. There is so much truth packed into that one sentence. I, I was telling somebody earlier as I was preparing for this sermon, I have two pages at home of notes just on the first few word, or letter, or for words of that sentence, for the grace of God. There is so much truth packed in there. And here's what I want us to understand in all of this. Paul is reminding us that everything we're going to talk about today, everything we ever talk about when it comes to Scripture, everything we always talk about when it comes to Jesus and our relationship with him, everything we talk about when it comes to the church, none of it is possible if it wasn't for the grace of God. None of it. Everything we consider and look at as Christians and as followers of Christ, everything about life, we must look at it through the grace of God. I mean, think about this for a moment. You and I wouldn't even be here right now if it wasn't for the grace of God. You wouldn't have got out of bed this morning if it wasn't for the grace of God. Right now, you wouldn't be breathing if it wasn't for the grace of God. Everything is based on the grace of God. And we have to understand this, the grace of God is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor and blessing of a holy God. I deserve nothing from God but judgment and wrath. But because of his grace, I get everything I don't deserve. That's amazing. Okay, but that's a completely separate sermon. So we'll set that off to the side. For the grace of God has appeared... So Paul is reminding us here, he's bringing to our attention the appearance of God's grace is, is realized through the coming of Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, for the grace of God has appeared in Jesus, in the coming of Jesus. This is where the grace of God has appeared. And then he says, because of the appearance of Jesus, because of the coming of Jesus, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus... God offers salvation to all people. So we're going to take a moment, we're going to focus on just that statement of offers salvation. Go to the next slide. 
Here's the thing that really hit me this week is God challenged me looking back at my life and as my journey as a Christian, even as a pastor, that many times we can have an incomplete understanding of salvation. Now understand me with this because someone's like, wait a minute, I understand salvation perfectly. And I'm not trying to say that at the core we don't understand salvation, but I want to challenge how we view salvation again through this lens of the Lord reigns. Go to the next slide. Many times what we do when we think about salvation is we focus mainly on what we've been saved from instead of focusing on what we've been saved to. Let me explain what I mean by that and why this is significant. Whenever I hear anybody usually talking about salvation, including myself, what do we say? We use terms like this. I've been saved from my sin. I've been saved from judgment. I've been saved from wrath. I've been saved from hell, right? This is, this is normally what we hear people talk about when we talk about salvation is receive Jesus so that Jesus can save you from these things. Well, while this is 100% true and I'm not denying that, what I'm saying is I think it's a little bit incomplete because we spend all of our time telling people and even for ourselves, we spend all of our time talking about what we've been saved from instead of celebrating and rejoicing what we've been saved to. Go to the next slide. Look at what Paul says. For he, being God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Do you hear, do you hear what Paul's talking about? Paul's, that's, that's a complete picture of the gospel right there. That's salvation at its core. We've been saved, we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, which includes sin, death, hell, judgment, wrath. All of those things are included in that statement. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, listen, you've been saved from because you've been saved too." He's like, rejoice in this. You've been saved from sin because God took you from this and he transferred you into this. See, many times, like I said, I think it's unfortunate. One of the images that God gave me a long time ago when we think about the kingdom of God that he saved us into is many times we treat salvation that it's just enough that we got in the door. Like, hey, I got my salvation. I'm in the door. That's all that matters. The unfortunate thing is the kingdom of God is this massively beautiful and amazing and vast kingdom that he invites us into, and many of us just stay camped out at the door. It's kind of like this. The image I got with this is a few years ago, I had the privilege of taking my children to go to Disney World, and you go to Magic Kingdom, right? You walk into Magic Kingdom, and this is the image I got. You walk in, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm at Magic Kingdom. First time we've ever been, my children were freaking out. I could say at that moment, I went to Magic Kingdom. I could say that. But if all we would have done is stayed at the front, we never would have experienced the beauty and majesty of Magic Kingdom. Right? And this is what I think many of us do as Christians when we talk about our salvation. It's like, yeah, I've been saved from that, and I'm in the door. But we fail to embrace what we've been saved into. And we fail to embrace this beautiful thing that God has offered to us and given to us. But here's the thing I want to focus on this morning, is this word kingdom just for a moment. Go to the next slide. A kingdom equals a king. So here's the point, when you hear the word kingdom, I don't know what comes to your mind, but here's what comes to my mind. There is no such thing as a kingdom unless there's a king. That's what makes a kingdom a kingdom, is there's a king. There has to be a ruler over that kingdom. Go to the next slide. And king equals reign. So I want you to think about this just for a moment. Colossians chapter 1 again said, for he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Kingdom equals the king who is Jesus. And Jesus as the king means that he has sovereign rule and reign over his kingdom. So if I say I'm part of God's kingdom, if I'm part of the kingdom of the Son, then that means Jesus has complete authoritative rule over me. Not a little bit. Not just some. Not 99%. 100% Jesus rules in my life. Now, do I get that perfect all the time? No, because I'm a stubborn brat. 
I'm rebellious. I do stupid things. And when those moments happen, my king that reigns, he disciplines me because he loves me. So I don't want anybody to say here going, oh my goodness, man, if I'm supposed to have 100% reign of God in my life, then I'm just messed up. Congratulations, little secret. I tell my church this all the time. You are messed up. All of us are messed up. You're broken. It's okay. But Jesus isn't. The difference of what we're talking about is whether or not I accept his reign. Right? If I accept his reign, then I follow him. And when I mess up, I accept his discipline because I accept his reign. Go to the next slide. Here's the truth I want us to think about just for a moment. Salvation is not just about forgiveness. That's what we talk about many times when we talk about salvation. We make it out that salvation is just about forgiveness of our sins. Go to the next slide. In fact, though, salvation is not just about forgiveness. It's actually about having King Jesus reign over our entire lives. It's not just about being forgiven. It's about actually putting myself under the reign of Jesus. Allowing Jesus to become my king. Allowing Jesus to become my everything. Allowing Jesus to become the authoritative voice in my life. This is what it means to be saved because, again, remember what Paul said. We've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. And now I'm not just forgiven. I'm under the authoritative reign of the king. This is important to understand because, again, I want to challenge our view of salvation. Go to the next slide. This is Romans chapter 10. Notice what Paul says. He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Savior. No. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, again, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that we're forgiven. That's a major aspect of salvation. But I want us to go one step further to see that God never asked us to be a church that proclaims that he is just Savior. We're meant to be a church that proclaims he is Lord. That Jesus reigns. And, and when you think about that statement that God raised him from the dead, this challenged me because, again, I have always believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. I grew up in church. I was born in church. I mean, there are still people in this town today that like to remind me every time I see them, I changed your diaper. <laughs> it's like, I'm 40 years old. I don't care. But they like to tell me that. I have grown up in church. I've sung all of the songs. I've done everything. I've, gone, I've learned all the stories, everything. And then all of a sudden, I saw this where it says, God raised him from the dead. And instantaneously, I looked at it from a different lens. I don't like this microphone at all. And here's what I mean by that, is looking it through a different lens. Go to the next slide, and let's see what Paul tells us happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that when Christ was raised from the dead by the Father, he was seated, that the Father seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Do you not see that Paul is proclaiming that when Jesus was rose from the dead, when he came back from the grave, God placed him in the position of authority that he has as king? That's what happens. So when Paul tells us salvation is found when we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe that we raised him from the dead, we're not just believing that Jesus came back to life. We're believing that Jesus is enthroned above as king. That he has been positioned above every rule and authority. I love this because if we started looking at our lives and our world through the lens that Jesus reigns, man, some of the stuff that happens in this world really does not matter. I mean, I'm not opposed to anybody keeping up with current events, but I could really care less what the news says. I could really care less what any leader of some country says. I could really care less of any of the division that goes, Jesus warned us of all of it. He says, listen, there's going to be wars, rumors of war. There's going to be earthquakes, famine. There's going to be hatred. There's going to be, it's going to get bad. 
But you know what? My Jesus still reigns. Nothing changes that. Oh, the kingdoms of the world can actually come against him all they want, and Jesus just looks at him and smiles and laughs. In fact, Psalms actually tells us that. So when we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, this is what we're believing. But I want you to see from Scripture. I'm going to throw a lot of Scripture at you this morning. If you haven't thought, I have already. Go to the next slide. Paul continues this in Philippians, and he says, Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, te- uh, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I think Scripture is pretty clear of putting it before us that Jesus reigns. That the fact that he was raised from the dead, because this is actually a continuation of Paul's, you know, if, if you know the passage, Paul talks about this, he says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not take equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead made himself a servant, taking on human likeness, suffering, becoming obedient, even obedient unto the cross, dying for us. And then Paul says, therefore, therefore, because of that, God has exalted him that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, again, not confessing that Jesus is Savior, confessing Jesus is Lord. Go to the next slide. Jesus is not Lord because he saves. Hear me on this. Jesus is not Lord because he saves. It's not because Jesus saves us that he gets the privilege to be called Lord. No, in fact, go to the next slide. Jesus saves because he is Lord. See, this this might seem, well, okay, that kind of makes sense, but I want to tell you, one of the things that I think God's challenging us as a church today is he's saying, listen, you got to change the foundation, the framework, the lens in which you understand this thing called Christianity. Jesus didn't earn the right to be your Lord because he saved you. He saved you because he's your Lord. And those that understand this by faith receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. See, it's almost like if we reverse it and we say, well, Jesus gets to be Lord because he saves me. It's almost like I get to do Jesus a favor. Like, Jesus, thanks, I appreciate it. I appreciate going to that cross and dying for me. You know what? And to help you out and to do you a favor, I'll let you be Lord of my life. How's that? Or the one thing I think we really do, and I'm, again, I'm guilty of this, is I don't go to Jesus and say, you can be Lord of my life. I go to this, I say, Jesus, because you saved me, I'll do you, I'll do you a favor. You can be Lord of this part of my life. But I'm keeping this. This gets to stay with me. And we have to understand that. See, Paul said again that it's the peering of Jesus that brings this salvation, that brings us from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. I want us to understand this morning that it's the culmination of Jesus' life, his appearing the first time. Think about this. It's the birth of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus. It's the teaching of Jesus. It's the death of Jesus. It's the resurrection of Jesus. All of those things culminate with a beautiful statement that Jesus makes before he leaves this world. Go to the next slide. And here's what he says. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Everything Jesus did in his first appearing, right? Everything, like I said, his birth, his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, all comes together to this one point where Jesus says, all authority is mine. Notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say some authority, a little authority, most authority. All authority is mine. And then just to make it really sink in, he says, listen, all authority is mine in heaven and by the way, and earth. All of it's mine. It's been given to me because I paid the price and died for you and I'm ushering in the kingdom of my reign. 
And what I love about Scripture, and I tell my church this all the time, always pay attention to the word therefore. Anytime you see the word, the word therefore, pay attention to it, right? And here's why. Anytime you see the word therefore, it's a word that's telling you that the next statement is being made based on the previous statement, right? So it's basically saying, hey, for you to understand what I'm about to say, you need to understand what I just said. And Jesus says, all authority, I reign, all authority is mine. Therefore, because I reign, let's go out and save some people. Let's go out and make some disciples. Let's go out and proclaim this gospel. Let's go out and speak of forgiveness and love and mercy and the kingdom. Let's go do that because all authority is mine. And again, notice Jesus doesn't call us as the church to make converts or church members. He says, go make disciples because a disciple is someone that puts themselves under the reign of Jesus. See, in my own growth as a Christian, and again, I don't mind the word Christian. I don't mind that title, but I'll be really honest with you. I don't, I've started to kind of move away. I don't know if I necessarily like the word Christian. Because the problem with the word Christian in our world today, especially in our country, everybody's Christian almost. Anybody can be a Christian. Do you go to church? No. I'm a Christian. Have you read the Bible? Don't even own one, but I'm a Christian. Anybody can be a Christian today. But see, Jesus never said, go and make Christians. He said, go and make disciples. People that have submitted themselves to the rule of God. This is what salvation is. Go to the next slide. We must not treat the reign of Christ as an outcome of our salvation. So what I mean by that is I need to stop understanding, okay, I've been saved, and because I've been saved, the natural outcome is that I should let Jesus reign in my life. That's not the way we need to look at this. In fact, go to the next slide. The reign of Christ actually is our salvation. It's not a product of our salvation. It's not an outcome. It's not a reaction to my salvation. It wasn't my salvation that now moves me to let Jesus reign in my life. In fact, it's the reign of Christ that is actually my salvation that comes by grace through faith. And here's what I, wanna, I want us to understand with this. Now, maybe you all are ahead of the curve with this, but it took me a long time to understand this. And again, if you're ahead of the curve with this, I applaud that and I rejoice in it. But there's a lot of people, including myself, for a lot of time in my life where I love to look at Jesus as Savior, but I never wanted to look at him as Lord. And I almost treated it like I could do that. Like I, I treated Jesus like, well, Jesus, I want your salvation, but I still want to do it my way. Because I treated salvation as though it was a ticket to get me to heaven but see the reign of christ actually is our salvation go to the next slide and i want you to see this from scripture romans 6 count yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in christ jesus therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires we are called as followers of christ as disciples to not let sin reign, because go to the next slide. Where Christ reigns, sin cannot. So here's the thing I want to challenge us with, because this is the challenge that God's put me through for the last few years. I have always lived in faith. I believed in Jesus. I trusted in his death. I trusted in his resurrection. I believed wholeheartedly in that stuff. But here's the problem. For the majority of my Christian life, all it ever seemed like was this roller coaster ride of, yeah, did it good for a while, oh, back in sin. Did it good for a while, back in sin. It always seemed like, it, like there was no really growth or maturity. I learned stuff, don't get me wrong. Quote, can quote scripture, don't get me wrong. Know the stories of the Bible. I can do all that stuff, but internally, inside, I always felt like, I'll give you a, kind of an imagery here. One of the things that I, I just can't stand more than anything is when I go onto Facebook and I see those pictures on Facebook where people have the pictures of the devil and Jesus like arm wrestling. Those annoy me. 
Because what we've done is we've elevated our enemy to the same significance as Jesus. Like they have the same authority, the same power. And it annoys me. But see, here's the problem that I have with that. Most of my life I lived not able to live the life that God called me to live because I was letting sin reign in me and not letting Christ reign in me. And you know where that left me? With guilt, with frustration, with anger, with attitudes of what's the point of this? This is stupid. But would still come to church with a happy face because what are you, we're supposed to believe, right? You're supposed to have faith. You're supposed to do the good stuff. So I want to encourage you, but at the same time challenge us. If your Christian walk is, is more frustration, shame, guilt, anger, do you, if you wake up on Sunday morning like, I really don't want to go to church. I mean, I'm not joking. I've, I've, I've pastored churches for over 10 years, and probably about eight of those, I woke up every Sunday like, honey, I don't want to go to church. That's the last place I want to go today. And it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the church or, or anything like that. What was wrong was me. Because I was letting sin reign where only Jesus should. Because we are told, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So again, where Christ reigns, sin cannot. So that goes to the second verse in this passage of Titus. Because it fits together. It teaches us, so the grace of God, the reign of Christ in us, our salvation teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's the reign of Christ in me. It's the grace of God in me. It's my salvation that actually teaches me to say no to the reign of sin and to say yes to the reign of Christ. In fact, this excites me. Because here's the thing, the reign of Christ in me, it not only teaches me, it motivates me, it inspires me, it empowers me. See, I find it unfortunate. And again, this is how I lived most of my Christian life. I find it unfortunate when we spend most of our time talking about Christ or talking about salvation, or talking about church, talking about his mission, talking about anything that has to do with our glorious Savior, and we do it with, eh, kind of attitude. Eh, yeah, just the way it is. Man, when we understand the reign of Christ in us, it will motivate us to take hold of everything Christ offers. It will inspire us to take hold of everything Christ offers. It empowers us to do it because it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and instead to take hold of a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. You know what that tells me? It tells me that this present age tells me that through Jesus and his authority in my life, I am able to live in such a way that sin has no authority or power or reign over me. Because this present age, it tells me that I can say no to all of those things. I want to encourage us a little bit with some other passages that Paul says. Go to the next slide. Or this is Peter, actually. Peter tells us in 1 Peter, he says... Him who called you out of darkness, right? Out of that kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. Anybody ever heard the song Marvelous Light, the worship song? You guys do that one here? Into Marvelous Light, I'm Running? Oh, I love this song. The, the lyrics, into marvelous light, I'm running. Out of, uh, out of guilt, out of shame, right? This idea of, I'm not focusing on what I'm running from. Man, I'm focusing on who I'm running to. Can I encourage us or challenge us or you just motivate us to ask the question, in your daily life, who are you running to? What are you striving for? What excites you? What gives you passion? 
I'm telling you, the world can offer some stuff, but sooner or later, it doesn't offer enough, man. Jesus is the only one. The reign of Jesus motivates us to run out of this darkness and into his marvelous light. Go to the next slide. Ephesians, again, Paul says this. For you were once darkness. Reminder, back again to that Colossians chapter 1 verse. Colossians 1 that tells us that he's taken us, he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the sun. You were once darkness. That was the kingdom that we were part of. But now you are light in the Lord. That's that salvation, right? Live as children of light. Live in the kingdom that you've been transferred to. And find out what pleases the Lord because he's the one that reigns. I mean, you start looking at scripture a little bit different when you start looking at it through this lens of the Lord reigns. Like this is all kingdom focused stuff. He saved me from a kingdom of darkness. He's brought me to a kingdom of light. And I am going to live my life for what pleases him because he's the one who reigns. Going on in Romans, go to the next slide in Romans, Paul says this, he says, now that you have been set free from sin, right, broken the reign of sin in us, and have become slaves to God, the reign of Christ in us, the benefit you reap is holiness, and the result is eternal life. Man, when we embrace the reign of Christ, and allow him to break the reign of sin, the benefit that we reap is holiness, and the result is eternal life. Now, I want to challenge this real quick. I do this with my church sometimes, a little bit smaller a group, but I ask them questions sometimes. So I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to see if anybody can answer, answer this for me. This is actually, you answer if you know this. According to Jesus, and this is in John chapter 17, what is the definition of eternal life? Does anybody know? To know God. See, eternal life is not heaven. Eternal life is not I get my mansion and I get to walk on streets of gold. Eternal life is not all my pain goes away and all my tears are wiped away. Oh yes, those are the benefits of when I get to heaven. Those are the benefits of walking into the kingdom. Those are the benefits of leaving this life. But that's not what Jesus says eternal life is. Jesus says this is eternal life, that you know the Father and the Son. That you know us. That you are intimate with us. That, that you understand us, that you're growing with us, that you're maturing in us, that you're experiencing more and more of us. See, again, I want to challenge us as Christians. We need to stop looking at our salvation as a ticket that gets us to heaven. We need to see our salvation as right here and now because Jesus reigns in us. And because he reigns in me, I get to know him intimately. Go to the next slide. I want us to also understand this morning that when we choose to commit every step of holiness that we take, every step where we say no to worldly passions and ungodliness, every step we take away from that reign of sin, it allows us to go further into the reign of Christ. And when we go further into the reign of Christ, we go deeper into his kingdom of glory. Remember how I said before, it's like walking into magic kingdom. Every time I say yes to Jesus, and every time I say no to sin, I get to go further into the kingdom. And I get to see the next amazing thing that God has around the corner in his kingdom. And here's the cool thing about the kingdom of God. You're never going to experience all of it on this side of heaven. So there's never a moment where you can say, huh, I've seen enough. That's the beauty of God. He's endless. He's matchless. There's no limit to his kingdom. And then here's the last thing we're going to talk about. Go to the next slide. Every step of holiness that we take, again, every time we say yes to God and we say no to sin, it prepares us for our blessed hope. Go to the next slide. The verse that I hope everyone knows and understands, while we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. 
This is the ultimate. This is what we're heading for. This is what, we're, this is what I'm striving for. I'm not striving just to make my life better. I'm not striving just to find happiness. I'm striving because I know someday my king is coming. And I'm going to see my Jesus face to face. Go to the next slide. Jesus tells us, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Jesus told us he's coming with some rewards, but I want to challenge us for a moment on this understanding of rewards. What Jesus means by rewards is there's going to be some that it's going to seem like an awesome reward. To others, it's not going to seem like a great reward. What it is, he's going to come with the payment we deserve. And I want us to see that as I end our time together this morning when we talk about the reign of Christ. The first thing I want us to understand that when Jesus comes and he brings his reward, the first thing, go to the next slide, he's bringing vindication. And I'll explain what I mean by this based on what Paul teaches. Vindication, go to the next slide. This is the, the passage, is from 2 Thessalonians. Paul says, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble for those who trouble you and give, and give relief to you who are troubled. Go to the next slide. Paul says, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. This is our blessed hope. See, as someone that has put my faith in Jesus, as someone that has trusted in the reign of Christ, when I hear that, you know what that gives me? That gives me assurance. That gives me a desire to persevere under every struggle and every temptation and every attack and everything that comes against me, I know it's okay because someday my king's coming back and when my king comes back, he's going to make it all right. It gives me, actually, when I hear that, it gives me joy. It gives me joy that there's going to come a day where I'm going to be vindicated for the struggle that I've had to go through in this life. And I'm not talking about the struggle like somebody said something mean to me or I didn't get the pay raise or anything like that. I'm talking about the struggle that I am in on a daily basis to say no to sin and say yes to God. I know there's going to come a day where Jesus is going to come and he's going to give me relief. And he's going to say it's done. The struggle is over. There's going to come a moment when Jesus is going to turn everything perfect and those that have chosen to follow him will be vindicated for all the troubles that we've had to go through but here's the unfortunate news this morning and this is important for us to understand because while this is a blessed hope to me and it should be to us if we're followers of christ jesus is also coming with retribution go the next slide You can jump this one too, go to the next one. Paul continues, this is right after he tells us about our blessed hope, or you know, the the coming of Christ. He says this, Jesus will also punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Because while the return of Jesus brings joy to me, we can't hide our faces from the truth that when Jesus does return, when our blessed hope is realized, there's going to be many who don't find relief. They're going to find the complete opposite. And why as the church must we face this? Because when we celebrate the coming of our Lord, when we embrace that and we want that, the reality of what also is going to happen should motivate us to be serious about our purpose here on earth. The church does not exist for us, never has. Never will. The church exists for everyone that is still living under the reign of sin. 
for us to be used by Jesus to try to get them to experience our blessed hope. This is why we have to face this when we talk about the reign of Christ, because the reign of Christ is going to bring joy to me, but it's going to bring terror to many others. Go to the next slide. Jesus says this at the end of the Bible. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. Once again, this makes me rejoice. My Jesus is coming soon. Now that word soon, don't get all, I don't know if that's today, tomorrow, 100 years from now, 1,000, I don't know. I don't care. What I care about is the reality that my Jesus is coming. And that makes me rejoice. You know why? Because I am ready for my Jesus to come. Am I perfect? By no means. But I am ready to see my Jesus face to face. Now, if you asked me that two or three years ago, I, it would have been a completely different answer. So as we end this morning, as I end this portion of this time, here's my question for us. When you hear the truth that the king of glory, the one that reigns, is someday soon coming again, and we will stand before him face to face, does that bring joy to you, or does that bring concern? Does that fill your spirit with an attitude of rejoicing and joy and excitement and anticipation? Or is that, oh no, 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 no. See, I'll put this into context that we can understand. You gotta love technology because we just got that nice little app on our phones that lets me track where my wife is at. Which is a wonderful thing because this summer she took some trips and I could look on the app and I could see where she was at and I knew how much longer I had to clean the house. But see, here's the thing I want us to understand. Some of us might be sitting here this morning and our house seems out of order. And the thing is, is we don't have a nice little app that we can look at and tell us, well, Jesus is only about two years off or five years off or a hundred years off. And some of us get freaked out when we think about, well, if he just pops in right now, my house is in no condition for him to show up. I'm not ready for Jesus to show up. I want to encourage you with something. It's okay. And I want to, here's what I mean by that. I say this is Celebrate Recovery. It's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay if right now your house is out of order and you're not ready. But it is not okay to stay that way. Jesus is cool with it. He's looking at you saying, you know what? I know right where you're at. I know your house is messy already. I don't have to show up. I know your house better than you knew. You know your house. It's okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. Here's the thing I want us to just have as we end. Jesus reigns. And the reign of Jesus cannot be ignored. We can live our entire lives ignoring Jesus and the reign that he has. But there will come a day where every single one of us is going to stand before him. And we were told from scripture that at that moment, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Many will confess with joy and celebration and worship. But many others are going to confess with fear and terror because they know what's coming. It's our job to challenge one another to be on the side that rejoices because we live our lives now with him reigning over us. So again, as I pray, and you continue with worship and you go on about your day, here's the question. At this moment, is Jesus reigning in your life? Is he reigning in your life? Again, doesn't mean you're perfect. 
but it means you've submitted to his authority over you entirely. This is true salvation because then I get to live in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I give you praise this morning for our time together. Lord, what an amazing opportunity just to gather with fellow brothers and, brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you together, knowing that, Lord, your church is so much bigger than just a name on a door, a name on a sign. Lord, your kingdom is so much larger than that. And this morning, Lord, I pray we, re we re rejoice at the kingdom that you offer to us, the relationship that you offer to us to be king over our lives, the king that provides for us, the king that protects us, the king that is there for us, the king that disciplines us, the king that has authority over everything. Lord, I, I pray that all of us here this morning, whether we're there yet or not, I pray that this be a moment that moves us closer to celebrating your reign in our lives, to receiving your reign in our lives. Seeing it for what it is, this is true salvation. Not that I'm just forgiven, but I've been forgiven and the king has brought me home. The king is now over my life. The king has control. Lord, fill us with that this morning. Get us excited about that this morning. Let that impassion us. Let that motivate us. Let that just fill us with anticipation for what that means. Not for someday in heaven. Well, yes, Lord, I look forward to that. But Lord, your kingdom is here, right here and now. Because you reign in the hearts of all those that put trust and faith in Jesus. Lord, let us not lose sight of that. Let us not forsake that. Let us not lose any opportunity for what that is on a daily basis. Lord, I pray a blessing upon this church. I pray a blessing upon everybody here. Pour out your spirit upon them. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.